This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 43 of Equine Clicker 101 Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Introduction to Collection. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Via Nova Training and Cavalier Feeds. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, I'm going to talk about introduction to collection. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying it's a big topic, but we're going to talk about some of the pieces that are going to why it's important, how we how we get going with it, what are the things we're looking for, how can we start on the ground, and so this is what we're going to cover. You know, one of the things that people ask me all the time. They ask me, where can they buy clickers and targets and side buckets or riding clickers or riding targets? And so where you can find those is if you go to my website, you can look up Shauna Karish at shaunacarish.com. You can look up Via Nova Training. Since I'm also based out of Via Nova Training and now part of that team, if you find Via Nova Training or you find Shauna Karish, you're going to find both of those. So you can learn more about me and where you can go to my product page and learn about the products that are there. And also while you're there, you can visit the Via Nova page and see what we're up to, what's happening. And when this whole pandemic gets over, we will be back to doing workshops and heading out and doing, uh, doing clinics and things. So you can see what we're up to by, at Vianova. And while we're at it, why don't we listen and learn a little bit more about Vianova? At Vianova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy, happy athlete or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Via Nova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit Vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. Alrighty. So this is a huge topic. And why I went to this topic is somebody asked me about how do you teach collection under saddle, obviously, using positive reinforcement. And and how could that possibly be positive reinforcement? Wouldn't that be, you know, traditional training? How do you do that? What's it about? So I thought, you know what? It's a good time to teach about this, not only the collection and how you can put it together and how you can build upon that, but I think the bigger and more important part there is this is a concept that you can take to bigger 
bigger places, more places. So, so how we do it here, you're just going to think about that as you build on to the next thing, you know, as you're teaching a leg yield, how would you build on that? As you're teaching them to jump, how would you build on that? As you're teaching them, you know, all of these things, it's the same sort of concept. So we're going to break it down into some of the little pieces that can help us to do this and, and what it looks like and what makes it different from traditional training. Because ultimately, the end result is going to look like traditional training. And frankly, some of the training steps along the way may even start to look like that a bit at a certain point. So we're not trying to make new, unusual cues. We want the same cues that anybody would have. It was really important to me as I, I mean, the first horse I taught, I taught collection to was my horse Mint. And Mint was a horse who I got from John and BZ Madden. And he was very young when I started working with them. And so when we got to doing the positive or the under saddle work, we really focused on making it all about positive reinforcement all along the way. And I look at my time at John and Beezy's place as my lab time. That is where I was taking marine mammal training that I've been doing for 10 years. And how do I put it together with uh, traditional training and traditional training at the highest level? Because now I'm dealing with, and from there I went on to deal with other Olympic athletes, other international competitors, people that, that had those goals. So that was my lab time to figure out how does this all go together? How much or what? How do we do it? So as I look at that, and that's, that's where we started. So Minty was my, my horse, and I had a decision to make. Do I teach him some weird cues <laughs> that are different, or do I teach him the same cues that everybody else knows? And I really, you know, naturally, I wanted to do the same cues as everybody else does. And I'm going to tell you, it was for selfish reasons because what, I don't want to have to get on a horse and think, what kind of horse am I riding? How do, what cue do I use here? I wanted to use the same cue from horse to horse. And I wanted Minty to understand the same cue from person to person. The part that is different is how did we get to that behavior? What was behind it? How did we teach the cue? What was the motivation? What was the impetus for this behavior to come about? So this is a part that is very different. And I think it's really an important nuance that we want to be sure that people get. So people, and people then also think, well, yeah, you're using food, but how do you get them to do it without the food? Well, that was actually a very easy and natural progression because as this behaviors, these behaviors come stronger and stronger and stronger, they become classically conditioned. He loves the behavior. He loves canter departs. He loves flying lead changes. Why wouldn't he do them? And so it was really important that, so with this, so then if somebody asks him, gets on and ask him for collection, he's like, oh yeah, I love collection. I know what you mean. And he just goes right to it. There's not resistance. He, he knows what to do. And he, as you give him a cue, he does this behavior and he holds this behavior until he's given a cue to do a different behavior or to change speeds or to change his bend or to whatever it might be that we're going to alter on that. But as I ask him to go to collect and go forward at, you know, 10 miles an hour, he's going to do that and hold that. And I think that that is really an important part of, of the training. When I first started riding horses, I would ride a lot of amateur horses and you either had to say, go, 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 stop, 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 collect, 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 bend, bend, bend. And it was a fight. All of it was resistance and they didn't want to do it. And I had to give like 52 cues. And I thought this just, 
as a marine mammal trainer, this is really poor training. This isn't what I would do. This isn't how it should be. And then I got to ride one of Beezy's horses. And it was um, one of her winning Grand Prix horses. And as I rode him, and, and Vinton was with me, and as I rode him, I noticed he goes and he holds a behavior. He holds a behavior the whole time. And that was an epiphany to me. I was like, that's it. That's our goal. That's my motivation from here on out. Every horse, just like with the marine mammals, should keep that behavior until I either bridge it, I click it and say, yes, that's good. We've completed that behavior. Or I give a cue to change that behavior somehow or do a different behavior. So this is what we want. This is the aim. This is where we want to get to. But how we get there is kind of the part that we want to work, work towards and talk about. Now, one of the things that I think is really, really, really important is when we teach behavior, we're teaching it in little tiny steps. Those steps are actually called successive approximations. They are the building block that builds each of these behaviors. So they're tiny steps that build upon one to the next, to the next, to the next. The, the key, I think, really good positive reinforcement training is to think about a lot of intermediate steps more than you would think about in traditional training. So we're going to discuss some ways to do that, particularly in the next episode. So this is going to be the introduction to collection and understanding what it might look like and, and understanding how you might get there. But in the next episode, which will be taking it to the under saddle and introducing it under saddle, we will uh, talk about some steps that you can do to, to make it, bring more clarity and less frustration to the training equation and you're building on those building blocks. So if the behavior falls apart somehow, if there's confusion, if there's frustration, I can go back and rebuild it. I can go, okay, I know how we got here. So I'm going to go back to those steps to remind my horse what we're doing and how we got here. So we are going to start today with uh, working on the ground. Now I'm going to have to put a caveat in here right here and now. That collection is, it's more of an exercise. There's a lot of behaviors that go into this behavior. You know, this isn't just one behavior. It is a, it is a behavior that is a component that, of a lot of other behaviors. So there are a lot of prerequisite pieces that you want to know and have in place before you go there. Another thing you need to know, it takes a lot of muscles that they don't currently have if your horse hasn't been doing it, for them to develop muscles to support themselves to collect. So they can take a step or two of collection, but to really get a strong and balanced hind end, that or a whole, whole horse, it's not just the hind end, but the as they start to collect, their hind end is now working differently. So it takes a long time for those muscles to be strong enough to sustain them at that point. So that is something to keep in mind. And you know what I'm going to tell you? When I first started learning this, Vinton, who is, uh, it was my ex-husband and is, well, he still is my ex-husband. He's a wonderful rider and he is a Grand Prix show jumper and he has ridden, he's, he's exceptionally talented and he's ridden with some of the best in the, the country. And he, uh, he, so he would help me on the ground with Minty and he said, okay, so when you're going to ask for collection, keep in mind um, he doesn't know this, so he's not going to get this. And this can be quite frustrating for horses. So 
don't expect much because you know what? He knew that I might get upset and feel like I stunk. <laughs> and then that's not the case. He said he just doesn't know it and he can't do very much because he doesn't have the muscles for it. So it was really important for me to recognize this is not something, even though he got the concept in his head, it wasn't something that he could do overnight. And that's important to keep in mind. The other piece that I really want you to keep in mind, this is only going to be as good as your eye, as good as your feel, as good as you knowing what you're looking for. So this is one of those behaviors I really, or exercises, if we want to consider it like that, this is really one of those exercises that I think it's really important to have a ground trainer for. Somebody who really does know what collection looks like, whether they're a dressage or they are a good show jumper, you know, hunter jumper trainer. Yeah. Well, anyone that really knows good collection, but I, you need somebody who knows and understands the, the mechanics of it, what you're looking for. So they can tell you the different components you're looking for. So we're going to talk through it a little bit, but we are, every horse is different and there's different things that you might see that might be a, a just as a, a Spartan moment in time that your trainer might see that you no, might not be able to see if you're newer, you newer to this. So that is, I'm going to strongly encourage that you find somebody who does understand collection and, and what that looks like and where it might go from there. Now, you also are going to have to be sure that they are open to the positive reinforcement because it's easy if they're not open to it, it's easy for them to kind of sway you back to the more traditional training and that's fine. But if we want to do it through positive reinforcement, we want to stay true to that because it, remember, positive reinforcement, traditional tr training actually use a different part of the brain. And I think that that is important to keep in mind if we're really trying to create a horse who totally enjoys this and loves this, we want to stick with the positive reinforcement for, for our sake of doing it. You know, if we're trying to stay committed to the positive reinforcement and creating it, the motivation of the horse wanting to do this. So really, I mean, you think about it with traditional training, what's in it for your horse to do a flying lead change. There's not a lot in them for it, but as we put positive reinforcement in it, something that they value, all of a sudden they become invested in the training and the outcome of the training. So it's important distinction for me. And I think the result is typically a horse who is, uh, you know, more readily available and looking forward to the training and to uh, e even building it up to shows and stuff. So I think that part is really an important step or important thing to consider. So you want to find a trainer who's going to be working with you with a positive reinforcement. And that's, I guess. Oh, and one of the things I'm going to tell you, this is just a little idea about one of the differences. As I started riding Mint and I, you know, and I gave the cues and he, he just, you know, he gave it to me a little bit. It was very clear because of the clicker, which part I liked. So as he raised his back, I clicked and said, that's the piece. And, and, and in the beginning it was just raising his back a little bit. So that was, but that's the beginning because as he raised his back, it's because he was getting under himself a little tiny bit. And so it was, he got that concept very fast. I mean, John Beasy and Vinton all said it was, it was very fast. And so, and I didn't know, I'd never trained a horse to collect and he did it with a lot of calm and, and he's a thoroughbred. So he was like, he's calm. I understand it. I got it. I know what you're looking for. Once he knew what we we're looking for, his desire to create that stepped in 
And really, he was the one working to create it. I wasn't making it happen. He was making it happen. And that made the progress go much faster because he was working his own little, you know, bum out. (laughs) Anyway, so what we're going to do, though, we're not going to worry about the undersaddle part right yet. We're going to have some pieces that we're going to work on first. And what we're going to do is we're going to use the reverse round pimp. If your horse does not know the reverse round pen, or if you're unfamiliar with what the heck I'm even talking about, I want you to go back to uh, two episodes or lessons, 22 and 23. So it's an introduction to the round pen and then um, the, carrying on. So it's kind of a two-part series explaining and helping you to get the reverse round pen. So when we use the reverse round pen, if I could only say that 52 times in 30 seconds, <laughs> I will... Uh, with the reverse round pen, we can help them start to develop their own biomechanics and some balance. And we can even start the collection as they're on the round pen. So the round pen to me is a really great way to get them started in some biomechanic exercises, looking for them to be balanced, looking for them to start using their hind end, looking for them to engage their back and hind end. And so you know, we can work on different elements of their, their manner of go. And so I think it's really important and it's a great tool. And it also, because they have the freedom to come or go, it is really, you know, it's very revealing. So do they want to do this? Do they not want to do this? And I don't tend to use the reverse round pen for a lot of real sustained exercise, but I do want to use it because once I get to a certain point, I want to be able to go under saddle with it. But this is a place where we can start to get that balance. They can get the balance without the rider first. They can start to learn how to use their hind end a little bit better. But you know what the trick is? Again, we need to know what we are looking for. So that is, if you don't know this, if this is new for you, I highly recommend you get somebody that can tell us what you're looking for. I once had a trainer and he was a, a Western trainer and and this kind of popped up on my radar somehow that it was a blog about how clicker training was great and he kind of understood the nuances of clicker training, a little bit of the science behind it, but he said, but you can't train a good pee off or a good sliding stop with the positive reinforcement. And I thought, yes, you can, (laughs) because you can, you know, you definitely can. But what the problem is sometimes is people don't know what they're looking for. So they're bridging on the sloppier pieces of things or things that a professional would not recognize or, or a professional would not say that is what I'm looking for. If they were working with a professional, they could have pulled apart the pieces that that individual needed to help them create the the finished product they're looking for. So that goes for a pee off. It goes for jumping. It goes for sliding stop. It goes for a spin. It goes for collection. So there's little nuances and each horse is also going to have their own nuances. So what may work with one horse, you know, one horse may be quite natural to, to, you know, lifting their back, but they're not quite really engaging their hind end enough. Or one horse may be, you know, different pieces. So you want to pick the pieces that you could see that that horse needs to, to create that. So again, that goes back to needing to know what you're looking for. So you can create it poorly or you can create it well. It's all up to you and how you shape it by what you click or you bridge on. So 
those parts are um, really important, but the reverse round pen gives us a great place to begin to work this. So as you go back to your lesson on the reverse round pen, we start off with the walk and the trot and the canter. In the very beginning, well, and first it's just walk and hoe and walk and hoe and walk and hoe and trot and hoe and walk and trot and trot and walk and hoe and trot. And so it's just, and then we add in the canter. Well, when we have these pieces in place and you can at any point in time, those are just the transitions. Are they great transitions? Depends. Did we slow down and try to make great transitions before the stop and the walk and the walk and the stop and the stop and the walk? You, you may have done that. And, and then and then you went to the trot. Is that a good trot transition? But in the very beginning, frankly, we say we asked you to trot and you trotted. Who cares what it looks like? We have to first say the trot is good enough. And this is the breaking down of those successive approximations. I need to pick that one criteria, that one piece that I need first. If we start saying, but, and this, and this can happen sometimes with more advanced people that are used to traditional training, they'll be like, but that's not, he's not using his hind end correctly. And you're like, we'll get there. But a lot of times with traditional training, once you get it, it becomes their new habit. But with positive reinforcement, we can shape and change it because the clicker is the scalpel that tells him what piece we're looking for. So we can say, so he's going along, he's looking kind of flat. And the moment he kind of brings that one hind foot under a little bit more, I can say, that's the piece I like. And then he thinks, what did I just do? Oh, I stepped under with this foot. So that's the beginning and we shape it until both feet are coming up further underneath and it's starting to propel himself. He has a better stride and he's engaging the hind end and lifting his back and his, you know, the whole picture is a lovely picture and, and, uh, and really frankly, a healthier picture. Binti, one of his issues, he was, uh, I mean, and he still is a thoroughbred, but he went in the most strung out way. His hind feet were behind him. You know, he just was all strung out and he was just a young gawky little guy, but I thought he's not going to last like that. Biomechanically, that's not going to work. He's not going to have, it's not going to be a horse I'm going to have when he's 27 years old, which he is now. So it was important that I started for his sake to help him develop. How do I use my body better? How do I become more balanced? How do I slow down and think about our transitions. So those are the things you need to know what you're looking for a little bit and find out what you need to do to help your horse use himself more effectively. So even if you don't think you're going to show, this is still something that can help them quite a bit in just being sound for longer. So, and there's plenty of books out there on biomechanics. I am by no means your biomechanics expert. Garrett Hushman is one that has really good books about biomechanics. And so he's a German vet and he is, he has a number of books and they will teach you uh, things about biomechanics and what to look for, what not to look for, what is good, what is, what is not so good. And sometimes even at the Olympic level, he, you know, there's, you know, movements that you're, that is not actually a balanced horse, you know, is it striking and stunning? Yes. But is it actually balanced? Not so much. So he, he points those things out and he helps you to recognize those things. So if you need to learn more about biomechanics, I would go to his books and then I'd also get someone to work with you if you possibly can. Okay. So with the reverse round pen, we can look for the pieces that we're looking for. So what I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be working with a horse named Blue. And Blue has learned 
to walk and trot and hoe on the reverse round pen. He does not know. I haven't worked about cantering and I haven't worked any form into his going. I'm like, you just get the idea of this means walk and this means trot. Whatever that looked like, I didn't really care because what I wanted is a responsiveness to the cue and I wanted him to have a strong reinforcement history. So he thought, oh, I like walking. Oh, I like trotting. So I had some engagement and I had a horse who was choosing to be engagement. I meant mental engagement, not the hind end wasn't so engaged. And I didn't really care about that first. I was just trying to build up a good, strong reinforcement history, a good association with thinking I like to walk and I like to trot and I like to hoe. So as those basic pieces are into place, he can go a little bit with his head up in the air and, and that creates a hollow back, which creates, tends to create, I mean, they can all be different things, but it tends to create a more hollow back, which means the hind end isn't under him as much. So what I want, first thing I'm going to be looking for is, because it's usually the easiest to get, I'm going to look for him just to have his head down. It doesn't mean, getting the head down doesn't mean that he is collected, but it is one of the steps that I need is first for him to think about having his head a little bit longer and lower. So his head is rather high and his back is kind of arched and we don't really want those pieces because they biomechanically don't work. They're not going to create a horse who lasts a long time. So I want to create a horse who uses his back and hind end more, but Part of that is getting his head down. Now, getting his head down, does that mean that I have a collected horse? Like I said, no, it does not. But it's the first piece that I can say, yes, I would like you to go with your head down. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. Once they get their head down, they go, if you like this, you're going to love it on the ground. <laughs> so you'll get to a point where you're like, no, not that far down, you know, because they'll get the idea and you'll see them putting it down. And, and at first, he may poke it down a little bit and that's okay. I'll take that at first. But then when I want to look is for him to keep it down a little bit, he may go too far. That's okay. I just ignore that. I click when I see it look like it's in a better place, when it's more level with his body and it looks kind of relaxed. It's not poking out too far because that's going to just make him too heavy on his front end and have him chasing his balance almost. And we don't want that. I want it just to kind of be a relaxed, but a little bit longer and lower. So, that may seem a little like a strange picture. Garrett's books will help you with that. And definitely a trainer will help you with that. So that's what we're going to be looking for. And I'm going to start with blue. And that's going to be our basic first exercises. And, as, and then we'll talk about where do we go from there. So let's take a few minutes. What I want you to do is get your horse so he has a little turnout time or he has, you've walked a little bit, maybe trotted in hand a little bit. I mean, you don't necessarily have to do that, but we're going to ask him to go into, we're going to ask him to go into a little exercise. So it's best if they're just a touch warmed up, but I'm also going to put another, as I said, it can be individual for every single individual. So some horses are rather, mm -mm, don't really, I'm not a goer. So in that situation, I might say, let's save your energy for the reverse round pen. And hopefully by this point, I've worked on the going. If I've said this in the reverse round pen ep episode, but if I have a horse who's very slow, I'm going to keep clicking the movement and the going, the movement and the going, because I want them to learn going 
and trying is quite reinforcing. If I have a horse who's rather hot and is going to be prone to bouncing and bucking and running off, I'm going to be working more on your downward transitions. It doesn't mean I don't bridge some upward transition. I still click those, but I'm going to have an emphasis on the one that I feel like they need to help balance out their energy. So hopefully you have those pieces in place by now. Those are your prerequisite courses. So as we get them here, we can, if you want to, we can just start working them at the walk first and not go into the trot right away. So get your horse warmed up a little bit, get your stuff ready, get your reverse round pen set up and, and you can make them very simply. I explained that in the, the lessons 22 and so get it kind of set up and, and we'll get, I'll meet you over there. Get your, uh, get your, oh, and, and also remembering, and this is just in case you need this little extra piece, the reverse round pen is episode 22 and 23. Episode two or lesson two is liberty leading. And liberty leading is the beginning of the reverse round pen. So those would take you progressively through the steps. By this point, I'm assuming those pieces are in place and we're pretty good with that part. So now what we're going to do is start shaping what our horse moves like on the reverse round pen. Okay, so that's it. Go get your stuff and I will meet you in a minute. All right, everybody. Well, here we go. I'm here with Blue, and Blue is, he has some energy. He's not crazy energy, but he's more of an energetic side of a horse than a slow, uh, apt to not wanting to go type of horse. So he's goey, not non-goey. So that's, so that's what I have working for me today. But like I said, he can have his head a little bit high, and he can have his back a little bit hollow, and those don't lend itself to him understanding collection. So he's not very old. This is new for him. And, and like I said, this is going to help him to move through life with a better posture. Basically, it's like your mom saying, sit up, sweetie. <laughs> that's stand straight, get your shoulders back. In a way, that's kind of what we're trying to help him do. Our parents were trying to help us to have backs that last us. You know, if we're always hunchy and slunchy and slouchy, it doesn't necessarily mean where our backs are going to last into our next, you know, decades. So we want to have a good, strong back, good, strong muscles to support our back. And that's what we're doing for them. We want to build good, strong muscles that support the back and the hind end and proper usage of their body parts. So that's what, what the point is here. Okay. So I'm going to start off with blue. I just stepped into the reverse round pen. I am, I have one that is cones with the, uh, with the, extendable poles that we get. And, and I'll just reiterate in case you haven't, um, you, you, well, you're going to hear it in the first episode. I like these, these work great for me and we get them from, um, like traffic cones for less.com or something like that. I mean, really, you're like, who knew there's a website that even says this stuff. So, but you can make it again out of just, you can get those electric fence posts. If you have soft ground, just plant them, step on, the post and put them in the ground. They're temporary. You can move them. You can use white webbing to go around it. So you can make them quite inexpensively. So we have ground in here in New Mexico that is harder than hard. And I, I tried that. It's like, I'm going to get these posts. And then I tried to step them into the ground. I'm like, oh my gosh, it wouldn't work. So I needed to go to the cones. So that's what we've done. 
So as we have the reverse round pen, I stepped into the inside and now I'm just walking along the outside. So I have him, I mean, he's on the outside, I'm on the inside, he knows this part. So as we're walking along, I'm now gonna start, I'm, I'm changing my criteria a little bit because at first it was just stop, walk, go, stop, walk, go. And he's been, he's really good at that. And I've actually faded myself where I can be in the middle and he will walk and go from my hand cues, my body and my physical cues as well. So I do have a point and then I say, walk on and he walks on and I can be in the middle and he gets that. Now, as I'm going to go to this collection, I want him or the approximations towards a horse is using himself better. I am going to go more towards the the edge a little bit. It's a little bit more supportive. It's taking a step back in our training. Um, but I want to remember, we talked about context shift. When you change one context, one of them can be criteria. I want to go back and give them a little extra support. So I expect a little less crit criteria. So if I go back that I may get less, you know, cause they may get confused and not know because the game's going to change a little bit. And so I get a little closer. I don't have to go all the way up next to him because I need to see his body. And if I'm right up next to him, I can't see his whole body. I can see his head. You know, and I want to be able to look at what he's doing a bit. So I have got myself where I can go to the middle, but I'm going to go a little bit closer towards him to give him that added support. So as we're walking on and he's walking on, what I'm going to do is look for him to lower his head slightly. I don't even care. There, he just did that. So uh, that was really good. He just looked down just a little bit. He lowered his head just a little. So is it great? No. But now I'm starting to teach him, I like this piece now. This piece is now added onto our past criteria. This is now a new criteria. Now, remember, one of the things I talk about quite a bit is really when this training is done well, it is about the game. It is not about the food. The food is part of it, but really it is the game that is afoot. And so in this, as we start to raise a criteria small enough that they can get it, but it is raising a little bit. It adds a new little challenge, but it's not difficult. If I feel like my horse gets frustrated at all, that means I either don't have a high enough reinforcement rate of reinforcement or my criteria is too high. And so he doesn't know what to do. So one is it's too hard and it's not worth it. Or two is I just don't know what you want. So forget it. So I want to make sure that I don't have that frustration. I have it clear enough and easy enough and attainable enough. So that means I have to take little tiny bits. I'm going to tell you, he probably lowered, and I'm giving him a few handfuls. I'm making a, a, a statement on this, but I, 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 he probably lowered his head two inches. It's almost like he just flattened his head out a little bit. So that is okay with me. And that's what I'm looking for. If your horse is not giving you too much, and I'm doing it at the walk first. I don't want to tire him out at the trot. I want to start to get it worked out at the walk, which we can do and repeat for a bit. So what I want him to do, if I'm having a really hard time, I will look for him to even look down. I mean, it doesn't even mean his head went down, but if his eye, his gaze went down, I could take that to start. If you really, really had a problem with this, I mean, like if he just wasn't doing it, wasn't doing it, wasn't doing it. And remember, he's loose. He can go wherever he wants. So that tends to help them be more relaxed and a more relaxed horse tends to lower their head a bit. So if I really, really had a problem with this, I may go back and teach a head down cue um, from standstill, a static cue. 
it will be quite different when your horse starts to walk. But and, and because most horses kind of naturally will lower their head a little bit, it's easy to catch this behavior, to capture this behavior as it happens. So we're shaping it through selective bridging. So it's not typically so hard to do. If I had a horse that I felt like it was really hard to do or he's really resistant to it or, or I couldn't figure it out, Really going back and just giving them a head down cue and a head down cue and a head down cue can be something you might use that could help a little bit. So that would be something. And, and to do that, I would use a stationary target. Well, it's the mobile stationary target. So I get like a traffic cone and put a target in it. So I'm teaching and put it. So it needs to be low enough that it goes to where your head is going to be in a good place for your horse. If you have a really big horse, I would use a bigger cone. And if you had a really short horse, I'd use a kind of small cone, a small target. But you want it to be where it goes just a little past where you'd want it to be naturally. So if you really had trouble with this, you're struggling, your horse can't seem to get it, you may want to go to that step. I typically find that step is not necessary, but it is an option because you never know what you're going to get from horses. Okay, so he got that. So we are going to go on again, and I'm going to ask him, walk on. And so now we're walking and he's kind of walking like his normal self. And then he is okay there. He lowered his head a little bit again. So I reinforced him for that. And I'm going to reinforce him a couple handfuls. Now he didn't go very, you know, super low and I'm not looking for any holding on it right yet. I'm just looking for him to lower it. I want him to think about lowering his head. That is my criteria for today. Not so hard. And so that was good. We're going to walk on. And now as we're walking, yep, very good. So I clicked again because now I can tell he's starting to get it. One of the things I'm going to tell you, this isn't his first behavior. So he has learned things through the positive reinforcement. So this concept of doing this new behavior or figuring out what does she want is not a new one for him. And I highly suggest as we go into collection that they're, they're very adept at the game. When Minty first started working on the learning collection, he had been doing clicker training for three years. You know, he was really adept at it. He was really, he knew this game. He loved this game. He's totally into the positive reinforcement and finding the, the answer and solving the puzzle. Okay, so so this is Blue's case too. Blue is not, I haven't had him, I haven't worked with him for three years, but he has learned a number of behaviors and he does get that there is an answer. I'm looking for the answer. So it looked to me like he intentionally thought, oh, lower my head. Okay. So walk on and he's walking. Okay. He lowered his head just a little bit. Click. Okay. So I let him go one little beat extra with, he had his head a little bit lower and he kept it there for just a, a, a hair, a, a split second. And I said, yes, that's a piece I'm looking for. So that was lovely. Okay. And let's walk on. Okay. We're walking on. Okay. So he bobbed his head down and he raised it up and he bobbed it down and he raised it up and okay, perfect. So I just caught a moment when he was a little tiny bit still, he may have in, if I didn't catch it right then, he may have gone up a little bit more. So my timing is pretty important in here. And again, if you need a professional to help you with this, you should get that. 
So what I looked for there, because you could see he was now thinking, oh, she wants the head down, but he kind of turned it into the Bobby thing. And that is pretty normal, people, I'm going to tell you. So what I had to do, it's kind of like teaching them in the beginning, if you have a really mouthy horse, I'm saying, I want your head away. Eventually, I want your head just still and forward. But in the beginning, I want to say it's the opposite of what you think. Well, then pretty soon they, they turn it away and they turn it away and it's an activity. I don't want it to be an activity. I want it to be something that they sustain. So that's what I need to do is I just catch those split seconds that are just a hair, a hair longer in their, their, their quietness or their stillness. And ultimately, I want it to turn into relaxed. Right now, it doesn't quite look relaxed to me. I feel like he's trying too much, but that's okay. I can shape it into a relaxed behavior. And a lot of times with clarity comes relaxation. So as he figures it out, he's like, oh, I know what to do. Then they tend to go, I just keep my head here or I keep my head lower. And it tends to bring its own relaxation with it when they know the answer. But right now, he's trying kind of hard. Okay, so walk on. And he has his head just a little bit good. And so he kept it on for a little bit longer that time. And it was actually a little bit lower this time too. So I felt like we're getting more to a level position versus the the kind of, it was just down a little bit where he went a, a little bit more, a little bit lower with that. So that was great. And let's try again. Okay, walk on. Good. And he's walking on and his head is in a pretty good position. Good. I clicked and reinforced him for that one. And so what I got there, I had like two steps with his head staying in that right position. So that was good. And frankly, I want to, I'm going to go the other direction. So now we're going to go the other direction, see if we can't get it in going the other direction. And sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. Okay. So walk on. Good. He did it right away. I took, and so I clicked it right away because I want to go back as I've changed the context, simply going the other direction is changing the context for this new behavior. So I want to go back and say, yes, I take the little bitty steps and I'll build up to where we got, which isn't giant on the other side. So that was great. And walk on. Good. Excellent. And he got his head to a little bit lower position and he kept it for probably a step and a half. And that was really good for me. I mean, that I'm pleased with that because that is great. Okay. And walk on. Okay. Now he's back to kind of bobbing his head. So I'm going to just let it go. And you can see he's searching. He's trying. He's actually, he actually went lower, which I could have taken, but I missed that moment. There we go. He actually went lower than he'd gone and I clicked and I fed him right now. So he's eating. I'm going to give him a couple handfuls here. And so what he did that I liked, he took his head lower than he had on the other side, which shows me he's got the idea of getting that head lower. So I could have taken that. I was just a little, it just caught me a little off guard. So I missed that moment in time. And so, and it did have a little extra bob in it, but I would have taken it anyway, because I can get that bob out of there easy. But then he kind of got it back just a little bit lower and, and held it there for a split second. So that was great. So we're going to do one more. And I'm not even going to work with the trot today because I know the trot transition is probably going to take his head up and elevate his energy, which is probably going to create less likely to relax. So if I can get it worked out at the walk first, I will be pretty happy. And then hopefully he can carry, he can generalize and take it to the next place. Okay, so walk on. And his head is 
a little bit low. And there, uh, there we go. And and I'm going to end right there. So that was excellent. So I clicked and reinforced and I'm I'm getting out and I'm trotting over to the, uh, to his jackpot bucket, which is set in the corner and giving him a jackpot or also uh, magnitude reinforcement is what it's known as too. And so I'm giving him a jackpot and letting him know he did a great job. So you can see, I know this can be hard, especially for a horse who hasn't used his back very much at all. So getting him to lower his back uh, and to, to lower his head a little bit does mean it takes, and to keep his head there only for a few steps, it really can use different muscles and be creating a different part. So that was good. And I appreciate the effort there. And I want to make it hugely reinforcing. And so when we come back next time, he's like, I know what to do. I like this part. So that is great. I'm going to let him eat his jackpot and then I'm going to take him home and I'm going to put him away. So, and remember, you can do other behaviors in between these. I am for the sake of time and us on the podcast. I don't often do you know, his leg lifts and his standing on the platform. I just kind of worked on this. So we stay focused, but mixing it up for your horse can also break up things. So it doesn't become tedious. It doesn't feel like a grind. Okay. So get to a good stopping place with your horse, put him away, get him back to, you know, where you want him to be for the the rest of the day or to a safe place where you want him to be for a little while, put your stuff away. And I will meet you back in the classroom and we'll talk about our homework. Okay, as you can see, there's still a long way to go until we're trotting and transitioning, walking, trotting, transitioning with a good, keeping a good head carriage in the, in the very beginning of it. So we're going to talk about how do we get to the next places? What do we do? Because it's our homework and homework is really, really important because um, it's the successive approximations those building blocks. It's putting the time in. Repetition is, is quite helpful without drilling it. Anyway, okay, so one of the things that people ask me quite a bit is what do I feed, what should I feed my horse when we're doing training sessions? And one of the things that I like to use, I like to use things that are healthy for my horse. So a lot of times I will use as part of their feed for the day. I will also oftentimes use like grass pellets because those I feel like I'm giving them broccoli. And that's good. And then Cavalor is the feed we actually feed here. So I'll mix in some grass pellets and some Cavalor as part of their food from the day so that I know that I'm giving them nutritious and healthy, least processed food that I can really find. So let's learn a little bit more. Oh, and Cavalor crunchies are great. They love them. And again, they're kind of a a health food thing. (laughs) I mean, you know, they're, they're a healthy snack, a healthy treat. So let's learn a little bit more about Cavalor and what makes them uh, unique. Cavalor is a horse feed supplement and care product company that was founded in Belgium 30 years ago, and they have been producing feed for the U.S. market since 2012. Its nutrition is based in the way horses are meant to eat. Cavalor's philosophy is based around mimicking the horse's natural diet and how they would eat in the wild, while recognizing that the demands we put on them today are different than wild horses of long ago. One of the things I love about Cavalor is that their products are natural, backed by research and science, 
and are proven to be effective. That's why Cavalor was a feat of choice for over 100 riders in the most recent World Equestrian Games, for riders in every discipline and from countries around the world. Not only do they make feet, but they also have a complete line of supplements and care products. If you've struggled with any kind of nutritional issue with your horse, you know that all products don't really work as advertised. So that's why Cavalors is unique. Their products don't make it to the market until they have been proven effective in making noticeable differences in the issue a horse is facing. A lot of times we have behavioral issues with horses, but a lot of these issues actually have a nutritional root. With the positive reinforcement or clicker training, we strive to help the horses to be truly happy. To me, part of that, that philosophy, well, really a big part of that philosophy, includes making sure I'm doing everything I can to ensure their emotional as well as physical well-being. There's no denying that a good diet is a huge factor in that equation. The best part of Cavalar's team is, it, is that they're so easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page, and a real live person will call you back to personally talk you through your horse's nutrition. Learn more about the products at www.cavalor.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalor North America. You'll be glad you did. All righty. Like I said, that is just the tip of the iceberg. We have a long way to go, and our next episode in a couple weeks is going to be how to take this under saddle. So it'd be really good if before you listen to the next episode, you get these next pieces in place and get them pretty solid because we're going to add a new element clearly because we're going under saddle. And so we want this to be really strong and really easy and something that they really like to do and that they have a little bit of strength to be able to do this and the balance to be able to do it. So what I would continue, uh, what I'm going to continue on is I'm going to continue on taking Blue through these steps at the walk. And and remember how on the when we did Liberty Leading, we did slower walk, faster walk, I also do that on the reverse round pen, and I'm also going to do it with teaching them to get their heads down. So as we think about, for most horses, that trot transition can be, for a lot of horses, they can get rather, you know, they raise their head up, they can hollow their back in order to do that. That's not something we want to see. We want to help them learn how to have the strength and the desire to be able to do a transition and keep their head in this lower position. So this is where we're going to go to our next place. So I'm going to go, instead of going right from a walk to trot transition, which is going to probably encourage a horse who can be high-headed to lift their head high, I'm going to go from slow walk to fast walk to slow walk to fast walk. It's still a transition. It's just a subtler transition. So it's a way that I can help set them up to succeed. It's what we call in the in the industry, in the behavior industry, antecedent arrangements. You know, it's a way that we can help set them up to, for success. How can I do this? What's a small little step in between that I, I think he might succeed at that? I think he can walk, go a slow walk to fast walk to slow walk to fast walk or slightly faster walk and keep his head in the right position. So when I have him where he can go around the whole reverse round pen and keep his head down, and maybe even go around twice at the walk. Then I might be adding in the slower walk, the faster walk, the slower walk, the faster walk. When that is going good, and remember, you want to look for him being balanced and even all the way around. I don't want a horse leaning in. At the walk, you tend to not get this, but as you move to the trot, sometimes you might. So I want to look for him to feel like he is not 
leaning in. I want him just to look balanced and, and going nice and, and proportionately. And so what we're going to do is when I have him where he goes slow and fast and slow and fast, then I'm going to say, can we go into a slow trot? Now I'm going to say, if your horse has a tendency to raise their head at the trot, they're probably going to do it this time too. I don't worry about that. What I do do is click when we get back to the right head position. So he starts learning the sooner I get my head back down there, the sooner I can get reinforced. If I keep having them be in this little bit hollowed out position, uh, you know, head high through the transition, I may go back to the walk to a faster walk to slower walk to a little bit brighter walk from a slow walk to a brighter walk and clicking those transitions. Now remember, sometimes you're going to click the transition. Sometimes you're going to take just when he's walking along, when the behavior is pretty solid. But as you go to moving to the trot transition, if you get a good trot transition, I would take it right away, take it right away, take it right away, take it right away, and then start building duration on it. So you make it clear what the difference is. And if you don't get that good transition, just keep him going until you feel like he slows down and relaxes his head and gets it back to the place where you want to see it. So by drawing attention to that behavior, you're going to have him wanting to do it sooner and you're making it more clear. And again, the clicker, the bridge signal is our scalpel. And it, we can say that moment, that moment, that moment, and, and or that sustained moment, because we also need to add that in as they get the idea. Then we start raising the criteria to looking for a little bit of duration with that. So that's where we're going to go from there. Now. When you have your horse, you, you might see this at the walk and you might see this at the, you, a lot of times it's easier to see at the trot and easier to happen at the trot. But I want to see the times when I, if you are going along and you're working on the head down, but you see him use his hind end just a little bit more and reach under himself a little bit more, you start taking that. Even though you're working on the other piece, if I see that with I won't throw away one for the other. He needs to get the head worked out to a certain degree. But anytime you see that foot come under a little bit more, I'm going to say, that's it. Doesn't have to be all the way under. It doesn't have to be perfectly, you know, you know, engaged from behind and really pushing from behind. But it's a beginning when he makes those reaches. It is the beginning of him starting to use his hind end more. If you see him start to raise his back a little bit more, those pieces are the piece you're looking for. Once the head is worked out a little bit, I start moving back and looking for them to raise their back or get their hind end. The raising the back and getting the hind end oftentimes really go together because they're in order to reach under themselves, they're getting, they have to kind of, they are using their back because they're engaging their hind end. It is kind of going under them, you know, so it has to raise in order to do that. I hope that makes sense to you. If it doesn't, I'm going to send you to those textbooks, send you to those trainers that can help you to see that a little bit or watch horses on video. And well, what's hard is sometimes they're, they're not all the same and it's not always, you know, not everybody's aware of the biomechanics as much as some people are, but Garrett does break that down into smaller pieces. So I think that would be a way in pictures, you could see it a little bit. So looking for those pieces would be the next thing I'm doing. I might see it at the walk. I may go those faster walks may get him where going to the slow walk to the faster walk. He may engage more in order to get that traction. You take those little moments. Remember, it's not going to be perfect. 
it's going to be progress in that direction. And this is what we call shaping. We're going to selectively bridge the times it's a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better or a little more consistent. And then it'll be a little bit better and a little bit better. The other thing to keep in mind, remember with positive reinforcement, and this is not, this is typically doesn't happen with traditional training. They tend to raise their own criteria when they know a behavior is good and it works. They think, well, she likes this. She's going to love this. And they'll give you a little bit more. Typically with traditional training, in order to get more, you need to use more pressure. But we're not working off of pressure where instead our motivation instead of pressure is actually utilizing food and something that they value. So that part is really important. As we start to build duration, we also start to uh, to fade out the, you know, using the food quite so much because ultimately we just want them to go and the food doesn't necessarily have to be there all along. So we want to, we'll talk about that in the next episode. So I want you to look for those little pieces. First, the head going down, look for the back and the hind end to engage. It will be your next thing. You can work at it at the walk. Sometimes I find it happens more at the trot for some horses. So sometimes going to the trot may help you to see it or may help them to be trying a little bit harder and, and, and engaging a little bit more. So those are going to be your next steps. We're not going to worry about the canner right now. You can work at that on your own if you really get that. I, I find if I can get it at the trot, it's not so hard to get it anywhere. So there you go. That's what you've got as your homework. You got some pieces to get in place before we start. So you want it to start looking like you want it to look. I find that there's a certain amount of using themselves correctly that's going to happen on the uh that's going to happen on the reverse round pen but i feel like the the next step to really get it to move to the next step it doesn't happen perfectly on the reverse round pen we have the start we have the premise we have the idea the next part really kind of takes a little bit more of the rider being involved and using your two two cues together. So utilizing the, using our reins as a cue, not as pressure, but using it as a cue to help, help it go to the next step. So get it kind of working, get that idea, get them using their hind end a little bit more. You started to build some muscles in that place. You started to get some clarity and get the idea. Okay. Phew. There's a lot of pieces to this one, but it's a really big one and it's a really good one. And it's one that people oftentimes think, well, yeah, positive reinforcement is for stuff on the ground, but it's not for under saddle. It absolutely is. It's all the same. You're just teaching stuff. You're just teaching it from a new place. So it, I, I think hundred percent it's for under saddle. So I think that that is, um, important and a, a nice piece that people need to help people understand how that is and what it looks like. Okay. That's my story. <laughs> so you can watch or listen, you can listen to this lesson or any of the lessons on most of your favorite iPod or favorite podcast players. You can listen on the Horse Radio Network app, which is available uh, for your Apple device or Android. Um, just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free. It's easy to use, and 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 I, like I said, it's you know it's on iTunes and all the all the big ones. So you you should find it everywhere. And I want you to, if you're not already aware of it, I want you to visit and listen to 
a lot of the shows on Horse Radio Network, or at least search around and see what's out there. Horses in the Morning is a really fun one. There's ones for different disciplines, one for different breeds, different issues, different topics. So uh, go look around and see what appeals to you because there is a lot on there on the horseradionetwork.com. It's a great it's a great uh, resource for you. You can also listen on my website if you go to shawnacarish.com or even vianova.com and look for uh you can look for the podcast and, and you can listen on there as well, of course, as well as finding any books or videos or side buckets or targets or riding clickers or whatever targets you might want to do. So that's it. So until next time you get your homework done and I will see you at the next stop. Okay. Bye. Bye. 